Welcome, Jeanette. How are you? Thank you for the welcome. I am feeling good, feeling great. And I want to also thank you for having me today. Yes, I'm, I'm excited to speak with you. I'm a little nasally, have a little uh, head congestion going on. I don't know why I decided to uh, not plan properly and stepped out of the house with a wet head. Um, but we're going to move forward because we have uh, faced even more challenges <laughs> than a head cold. So, And you are right, um, especially on the health front, you know. Hey, we're still technically in a pandemic. So this head cold is, is laughable right now, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> I am excited to share your story, to catch up with you, and just to learn how you are um, navigating uncertainty in your life now compared to navigating uncertainty uh, maybe when you were a teenager or first became a mom. Um, I think you are a dynamic individual. I remember meeting you at Space Lab. I was just working and you were there. Um, I thought initially that you and your son were participating in the conference or the convention that was happening upstairs. And then after uh, spending a little bit of time with you, I learned that you were actually presenting too. So thank you so much for leading boldly, sharing your gifts in multiple spaces. Why, I certainly appreciate that. And I will say meeting you was um, a pleasure. I think a lot of people mistake or mistook <laughs> my um, appearance there as just, you know, an audience member and I was coming to learn. And um, when I began presenting, people were like, oh, this is the lady who had the little boy who, you know, was sitting here taking notes. So I love the, the idea of kind of breaking those tropes and things, um, especially when it comes to, to motherhood. You know, we have so many different identities that are intersecting with our work and our careers. And um, my son is certainly someone who comes with me to all of my speaking gigs if, um, you know, if the time is right. So um, he's been to Chicago with me when I presented at a digital accessibility conference. Um, he was in New Orleans with me recently as I presented at a uh, literacy conference. So I like to show him um, and to show people who are there that, you know, our identities really matter. And um, it's up to us to, you know, break those stereotypes. Yes, certainly. And, you know, I didn't, I saw you during the time where you all were uh, getting your snacks and just mm -hmm. having sidebar conversations. So I totally didn't judge. However, I uh, was excited. <laughs> Um, because there weren't many people of color that I have witnessed participating, you know, not that they mm -hmm. weren't on the ninth floor, but I hadn't engaged. And so I appreciate the fact that also as a presenter, you, you engaged with people no matter what, you know, sometimes as we're preparing to present, we tend to isolate 
until we're ready. And you didn't do that. And I really appreciated that. I appreciated seeing your son and all of that energy. <laughs> and, oh, uh, so much. Yeah. So much. <laughs> I had fun with him, Find, finding <laughs> things to uh, engage him. I, I love learning uh, with and about children. But mm -hmm. you, more importantly, you, as you mentioned before, you showed people what living authentically, in my mind, looks like. I mean, you're focused on accessibility. You have your company barely articulating. Oh, I love that name. Um, Thank you. In speech <laughs> therapy. Um, you highlight and bring awareness to areas of dyslexia. You are an advocate on so many fronts. And I love the autism at work as well. So I hope we can, during our time together, weave in what you're doing, what you're thinking, how you're moving forward, and some resources to support our audience, our listeners in living better, learning, unlearning, relearning, and leading boldly in their own lives. Well said. Thank you so much for, for saying that and um, placing that vocabulary so eloquently out into the, the atmosphere. I certainly appreciate how you said all of that. Um, I will say in that same vein, I think when we are talking about, you know, living authentically, we have to look at how we identify. So I identify as a black woman before anything, because that's the first thing people see. And so with being a black woman, I feel like advocacy is a part of who we are, whether you are advocating for civil rights, whether you are advocating for disability rights and human rights, or um, you're advocating for LBGTQIA rights, I think that that is who we are um, to the core. So with that in mind, I've been able to take my ability to advocate to different spaces and really affect change. So. Um, I just want to say that because um, I know that we often get a bad rap. We are often at the bottom of these statistical research journals and things. And, and you know, we aren't always treated very well. But I do know that with epigenetics, you know, that's the, the part of us that um, basically comes from from generations and generations of, of potential trauma um, that just kind of lives in our DNA, I believe that advocacy lives in our DNA. We've, we've been heralded from generations and generations of, of individuals who fought for better living conditions, better working conditions. And that's just kind of a part of who we all are at this stage and juncture. So I like to tap into that and that helps me as I am building the case for accessibility or building awareness around dyslexia and things that um, people don't often spend a whole lot of time evaluating. I love it all. Um, <laughs> I love it all. I, you, you I didn't know. want to take you too fast there. I know I was like, when I started thinking about epigenetics, I'm like, ooh. Let me keep it. <laughs> no, do not tone it down. If you learned anything from me, both online and during our conversation is I like pulling 
the cover back, pulling the mm -hmm. layers back, going deeper. So that's what this project is about. I've met some dynamic individuals. And even if we've only been face to face once, um, you have, especially in your case, you really, really left a great impression on my heart. And I, I look forward to us being in the same room again soon. But I know that you care deeply about people and not just on the surface. You have done the work to take care of yourself. And as you mentioned, pronounce it again, epa... epigenetics. Okay, mm -hmm. I spelled it epigenetics. Yeah. <laughs> it went better because our history is mm -hmm. important to moving forward. We learn that in therapy, we learn that in education, um, in, in any type of service area, if you want to really serve people, provide opportunities for people and help mm -hmm. people stand on their own, you have to understand the history of our community, our region, our world, but also the individual's history. And you have, uh, you brought it full force, sister. I love it. <laughs> so I want to, I want to just bring a little more um, light to this. And I often tell people, especially when I am facilitating that, you know, if you hear a word or a phrase that, um, you know, kind of resonates with you or sticks out, I want to empower you to definitely dive deeper and look into it. I think a lot of times people assume that, um, you know, guests and, and speakers, they're going to just lay out all the information for you. But we, we could do that. But, you know, I think it would make it more personable if you took that time to really start to do some research. So just as a, like a layer of context, epigenetics is a field of study in biology, and it's the study of heritable phenotype changes that evolve. So, um, Again, when we're thinking about that DNA sequence, we found that um, a lot of the things that we've inherited are, are much bigger than just, you know, our facial structure, you know, our body type. They're saying that we have inherited a lot of psychological trauma from, um, from the past. I was reading a study where um, this lady was talking about how she was deathly afraid of dogs. Like she would see a dog and it would send her into a state of complete anxiety and panic. And once she started doing some studying of her, her uh, family history, she found that she had a great, great grandparent who was, um, who was killed by an animal. And it was just like, whoa. You know, things like that, when I hear that, I'm like, man, it, it's so much out here in this world that we need to, to be learning. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that is um, crazy. And I don't think that's I ironic at all, you know, especially when you start to look at these studies and you're like, man, this is, <laughs> this is bigger than what you could have ever imagined. So I'm just saying that to say to our listeners, make sure you don't take my word for it. Um, I'm empowering you all to do some digging so you can understand that particular study in biology, the field of study. Yes, yes. And I, and I like that you brought in or appreciate that you brought in science. You know, mm -hmm. oftentimes um, we take information out of context 
here's someone or a group of individuals who deep dived into um, being, be, being a human, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. so they have um, given us a summary, but also a little uh, dessert, a little snack to hopefully encourage us like you did today <laughs> to dig a little deeper, you know, to learn about ourselves. And uh, yeah, so we hear a lot thrown out about, you know, trauma, you know, mm -hmm. okay, so what are you gonna do to make sure that you're taking care of you and you understand your triggers, the impact, you know, mm -hmm. throw these buzzwords out. So thank you yeah. for introducing mm -hmm. uh, epigenetics. Thank you so yeah. much. And I also want to say that, um, you know, we, we do talk about traumas and triggers a lot, but there also are some things that we inherited that no one else can see that are beneficial. You know, if you've ever found that you were really, really good at something and you've never even had to, to practice it, then that's something that you've inherited, whether that means you were a great writer or you are just an artist, a visual artist, and you can just look at an image once and recreate it. Like that is a part of the science of who we are. And learning who we are helps us to operate on a different level in society. You know, knowing that we are advocates first, you know, helps me to go out into these different spaces and take advocacy to that next level. Absolutely. You know, we talk about <laughs> passions. Again, buzzwords, they're becoming buzzwords. They are very relevant to who we are. Um, however, when I think about authenticity, I think about a person who knows themselves, who are constantly digging into who they are and showing up based on mm -hmm. the information that they've gained about themselves, their families, and their environment. So perfect, perfect, perfect. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, I feel like you can only show up for others when you've first shown up for yourself. So yes. we definitely got to spend some time getting to know who we are so we can show up authentically. Yeah. And in different seasons, people think, mm. oh, I know who I am. Uh, no. When you oh my gosh. A big transition in, at work, business, life, your community, your neighborhood, mm -hmm. something happens. Think about mm -hmm. um, how we are discombobulated to a certain <laughs> degree when there's construction outside of our homes that you Come know, on. causing <laughs> Come you know, on. some delays. <laughs> it's like down to that, like that impacts you. You you mm -hmm. make it through, but you know, your body is tense or a bill comes mm -hmm. that you weren't prepared. You hadn't Come on. that. And, and, and <laughs> nobody can tell you how long it'll take for you to process that. It may be two days, it might be two weeks. You know, and I think that's something that we don't often talk about, like the time it takes to process these types of um, just random occurrences, you know? Mm -hmm. And giving ourselves time to do it, not rushing because mm -hmm. we're just in a hurry to continue with our routine. Sometimes we have those um, pauses or rerouting mm -hmm. for good. I can recall several times that you know, there was a traffic delay and, um, you know, I was focused on making it to my destination a little early and I made it just in the nick of time. However, that traffic delay or 
putting my keys in the wrong place or in a place that I forgot, I left it in my pocket or whatever, that pause saved my life because, mm -hmm. you know, there was an accident. So, you know, just all of that. A lot, scientific, self-awareness, and spiritual. Like, Ooh, I like that. The Come S's, on. the triple S. <laughs> Listen, we talk I, I about faith here and, and spirituality mm -hmm. is, you know, it's a part of who we are, regardless to how we share it, express it, etc. So, um, agree, and I love that you use the word seasons. We got to add that to the S's because um, I think that's something I've been experiencing a lot more. This mm -hmm. particular season is just acknowledging that the way I feel right now may not be how I feel. Um, next season. And when I'm talking about season, I'm obviously not talk about the, talking about the four seasons. It's just, I think our lives have um, seasons, you know, where we're um, gathering, we are um, sowing the seeds and then we're blossoming. Um, and it's just really unique to see that. I was talking to my mom the other day and I was just like, oh, Michigan is just, this weather is just, everything is just, and I stopped and I said, you know what? I had the same conversation with you last April and you may not remember it. <laughs> and I was, I was in a disarray because, you know, the weather here is so uh, chaotic for lack of better words. And so just acknowledging that a lot of times the way we feel and the way we are moving is just the season. We can give ourselves that grace. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we we don't um, often enough, but I'm hopeful that the past two years um, has helped people to sit with themselves. You know, it wasn't easy, it's not linear. <laughs> mm -mm. To um, discover new ways of being new ways of being for themselves, for the people they love, and just in our, our world, just exist mm -hmm. differently because we deserve it. And we deserve that pause um, and to determine what works best for us and make the necessary shifts. You know, we've, we've been on this trajectory of, um, you know, from, from cradle to adulthood of operating um, in a hurry, uh, in a linear fashion. Um, so many people, not all of us, we, we, we figure it out <laughs> as we mm -hmm. know that, hey, it's not linear, but, mm -hmm. you know, just giving ourselves permission to adjust, to um, repurpose, to reinvigorate who we are and how we show mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Oddly enough, um, the pandemic had to happen because we had to learn this particular lesson. So I agree with you. I think it has allowed us time to really sit with ourselves. And it gave us the opportunity to see that we've been operating in, in just such a rushed, hurried type of fashion. I mean, I often think about this grind and hustle culture that we've cultivated all on our own. We had no help. And we created this, this type of mindset that you have to just work every single day, all day long in order to make your dreams come true. And I'm starting to realize that that's, that's not the, the move. That's not the look. 
I want to live a soft life. I want to live an intentional life. You know, I don't want to live in a state of continual, just work, 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 work. When will we have the, the opportunity to relax and to enjoy the fruits of our labor if we're so focused on working, 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 working? And I think, honestly, it has come from a lot of the, the norms in America, a lot of the policies around minimum wage and um, a lot of the taxing on middle class people who are who are really upholding society. So it's, it's a lot of things that have clearly influenced how we behave over here. But I know when I travel and um, I go, let's say I go to Europe. You know, I mean, the people there just live a, a soft life. Even when I go to the African continent, um, there are places where people just live, you know, very softly and they're not just struggling <laughs> to, to maintain this idea of productivity all the time. When will we have our, our space to just enjoy life? You know, if we're always focused on trying to get one over and trying to do this and that and, and this and that again, so. Oh, my kind of conversation. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure you've observed, observed mm -hmm. several opportunities to adjust and um, you will eventually share some resources. <laughs> In fact, let's just get into it. What, based on your travels, <clears throat> what would you encourage others to do and or have you adopted um, in your daily habits to live better? Hmm. That's an exceptional question. So I will say um, a couple things. So my... Um, cousin is an entrepreneur like myself and she owns a small business and her and I sat down and discussed you know productivity and what that looks like when you want to live a soft life so I think we have to be deliberate about our energy and our efforts and how we're expending those um, from what she explained to me she gets up really early and she spends the earlier part of her, her mornings, um, just kind of meditating and then afterwards diving into emails. Um, she said she usually stops her day about 2 p.m. and she's done because at that point she's put out fires, she's done this, she has been a woman of her word and responded back to this person and so forth and so on. I think for me, it is definitely a journey um, I am an early bird, but I tend to like to spend a whole lot of time reflecting and um, really just manifesting in the morning. I think that that time could be spent being productive so that I could spend my afternoons, my early afternoons, relaxing and just enjoying all that I've put out into the world. Um, but I will say that there are so many so many ways I can answer that question. But I will say this, I think that it's important that we find out who we are and we acknowledge what we're good at and what it takes little effort for us to do 
and then leverage that and capitalize on that. Because if we want to live these lush, soft lives where we're able to work less, but work in a meaningful sense, then we need to know exactly how we can operate from that space. And if we don't know who we are, we haven't tapped in to our gifts and our strengths, then it makes it a little more difficult, especially if we're looking at creating passive streams of income. I think that is the American dream to be able to um, work in a deliberate sense, but also to have streams of income that are coming in passively from our, our gifts that we don't really even have to exert a whole lot of effort or energy into. Yes, beautiful. And, you know, I'm glad that you identified the fact that you're, you know, you shared one example in your cousin, mm -hmm. your example, but most importantly, hey, don't try to do what we're doing. Figure out what works for you. Yeah. Um, but those were great considerations in the way you operate. Um, I mean, if, if we don't find peace and joy in purpose and what we're doing, we can't move forward. So that time of reflection and just being that, that, that me time is so important for us as individuals, Tap in. as parents, yes. <laughs> you know, yes. we, you know, we're serving others. And then when we leave our households or log in and, you know, support or show up for others, that's a lot. So hmm. carving out that. And again, we can't even show up for you if we haven't shown up for ourselves. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. But people don't know how to show up for themselves. So those examples are great ways to mm -hmm. um, integrate uh, practices into our lives to, to just live better. I just want to live better. We talk mm -hmm. about living well every day. I want to live a little bit better, aka differently than I did yesterday. So. Mm -hmm. So I'm loving these conversations as well. <laughs> so you mentioned um, speaking on multiple platforms. You've had an opportunity to travel. And in fact, that's how I connected with you. What are you finding? Uh, there's a resistance sometimes to change. Let me bring mm -hmm. this up. There's a resistance to change. Um, understanding someone who is different than yourself, um, but you're advocating and leading boldly in those those spaces, different audiences. What, if anything, have you found to be, um, hmm, I don't like the negative terms and resistance sometimes comes across as negative, but even the organizers of events and those you've uh, interacted with, Mm -hmm. If you speak about accessibility specifically, mm -hmm. what are some of the current um, types of resistance that you are, are facing or have faced? Okay, I think that is another phenomenal question. Thank you. So I will say when you are looking at speaking in spaces where the people don't generally look like you, there will be um, a lot of different energies. Mm -hmm. There may be some of resistance. Um, there may be some of tokenism. Mm -hmm. There may be some of uh, people who 
are just not interested. And so I would say that I think it's very valuable to find allies where you can. There are people who understand their privileges and they use those privileges to then assist a person who may not be exposed to those same privileges. So you have to be able to um, use your innate ability to locate allies. You can find people within that organization space who appear to be um, they appear to, to maybe have the same values as you, to um, maybe someone that looks like you. Um, I just am an advocate for uh, looking, and I'm, it's odd I'm using that word, and <laughs> we were talking about advocacy, but I am an advocate for finding and seeking your allies. They exist, and they're in more places than one, but you have to make sure you are um, deciphering who could help you and who would be the best suited to position you into a speaking opportunity? Because there's only so much your proposal um, can get you without having someone on the inside that can say, hey, I know this person for a fact, I can speak to their character. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. So we've been chatting and we've covered several <laughs> of the pillars living better some things you've learned and leading boldly what is one of your i'm not sure but it's okay stories or experiences that you push through that may inspire our listeners hmm. i feel like i got a lot of stories right we do <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like I got a ton of stories um, that could fit into that category. Um, I will say moving from your comfort zone to somewhere that you have to rebuild, essentially. So that happened to me back in 2017. I was um, going through a divorce and I decided to move from the state I was currently in and basically travel across the country to one where I felt would provide me a little bit more stability. And um, those times can be scary, especially when you have a child and you're making decisions that you expect to be enlightening for them or to, to help them in a sense, but you're not just 100% sure. So that would probably be um, the top of mind. So how did you push through that? I mean, how did you get past that level of discomfort? Because that was a huge leap. It was. Um, I, okay, so this is what I used as a framework when I made a decision like that. I was telling myself, um, or conjuring up the idea of, what would my future self say about this? Will this be a decision that my future self would be proud of? Or would this be a decision that could negatively impact my future self? So at the time, I think I was like, ugh, I don't know. I want to say I was like 26 or 20. I don't know. I was in my 20s. And so I would think about 30-year-old Jeanette. And I would say, you know, what will she think of this 
type of trajectory? Will this be something that has helped to make an impact, a positive impact in her life and her child's life? Or is this something that is going to be detrimental down the line that neither of us will have benefited from? So if you are listening and you have a decision at hand and you are really struggling with executing this, I would say think of your future self and really try to understand whether this decision will be of a positive impact or effect or or the negative impact or effect. Wonderful. Well, I met you on the other side and I'm glad that you <laughs> made the decision. <laughs> I'm glad that you made the decision. Can we talk about accessibility? Sure. So um, I got into the accessibility space because I worked as a speech language pathologist for about a decade and I worked with children who had um, autism, who have um, selective mutism, who were um, diagnosed as having ADHD and um, dyslexia and all of the things that make them neurodiverse. So when I transitioned into the tech world, I saw that there weren't websites that could appeal to people or children who may have had like low vision or there may have been websites that had too much happening on them and that that could in, you know, in turn affect someone with like sensory processing disorder. So I started to kind of initiate these conversations with um, these companies in this digital space. And um, so I think my work expanded because it was a lot of word of mouth. Well, this person is practicing making websites usable um, by making them effective for as many people as possible. So we wanna set up a meeting with this person. And I think that though it is like a buzzword now that it's really an effective practice because a lot of people are coming to grips with the idea that everyone has a unique learning and, and listening ability and everyone has a unique perception so let's create resources that are um, best suited for them. So for instance, um, you will see now in um, shows that they're gonna have like a lot of flash and lights, they will create a disclaimer and say that these lights may be harmful for people who have seizures um, because those are triggers to see those bright flashing lights. But before, you never saw that. There was an episode of a popular children's show that came out in the early 2000s. And there was a sequence of lights just flashing on the, the episode of that show. And I recall hearing that a lot of children were hospitalized behind that because it caused them to go into seizures. So accessibility is basically the practice of making websites usable and digital tools usable. And um, 
this is the case because we traditionally think of this being as all about people with disabilities, but the practice of making sites and digital resources accessible benefits other groups of people, other identities, and those using mobile devices and um, those using touch screen devices and laptop devices. I mean, like everybody benefits from accessibility. Yes, and I'm, I'm glad that you used the example of the flashing lights because I learned that in the classroom as well. Mm -hmm. You know, that light is too bright or it's flashing. Hey, watch out, watch out. And I'm a survivor of stroke. I had too many strokes and, I, you know, I, the lights had nothing to do with it. However, I am now watching the lights mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons. Um, mm -hmm. Logically, <laughs> I, I always found it interesting that uh -huh. in education and now in the greater world, the larger corporations, that we had not been considering everyone. Uh -huh. Very similar to subjects, um, academic subjects being taught in isolation. Like my special needs teachers, you know, they would come to me um, for support um, in helping their children, their learners, <laughs> um, make meaningful connections with math. But I learned so much from them. And I was like, why aren't we using these strategies to fill gaps, to move learners forward, to support our teams? And as you just mentioned, um, practicing good digital um, accessibility habits, putting it in place for everybody, it benefits you from a, a revenue standpoint, retention standpoint in terms of uh, customers, but in terms of just serving people. Do you care about people? You're just going to put crap out there, you know? Come on. And then I also worked before I uh, completed my degree when I was in Minnesota. I lived in uh, Minnesota for nine years. I worked for Gillette's Children's Hospital and I worked in the habilitation, nice. habilitation technology area. So those adaptive technologies back mm -hmm. in the early 90s, I was just like amazed, you know, these babies mm -hmm. walking around with um, um, they're coming to get their prosthetics or they're, they're learning to navigate with their new helmets. But some of them, um, they, I don't know if you call it non-auditory, they, they don't speak, but they communicate mm -hmm. with their eyes. Some of them couldn't move their hands, but they can blow into this tool on this dashboard and just operate their, um, the mechanics of their wheelchair to give them more autonomy and flexibility and uh, listen. I love it. And yeah. We should do that. Like, also, we know as educators that people take in information differently. Some like to hear it, some are tactile, they need to touch it, and others, they need to see it. So, I have, even with this project, tried to make sure that I present the stories, at least a clip of the stories with the captions on it. 
you know, I want to invite others in and no one has said anything yet in terms of not being able to assess it, but I'm mm -hmm. learning so much with this project and the tools, resources available beyond just a static website, but right. how we present, you know? Yeah. I agree. And I, I think that um, closed captions are essential. And I say that because I use closed captions on everything and it has become a practice in my household. And it's really interesting because um, I am verbal and um, I don't have any particular issues with um you know, like reading or language, not that I know of, but closed captions is something that um, I've always been drawn to. And it's so helpful for me as I'm listening to um, shows or, or watching television. When I see the closed captions, it makes sense of some of the words that may be muddled that I hear. Um, and from my understanding, like I said, I don't have any language um, discrepancies. My hearing is pretty normal, but closed captions and other things like, you know, making sure the contrast of the website isn't too daunting or too hard for people with, with low vision. I mean, it's just little things that help all people. You know, we don't want to exclude anyone and we want to make sure we're creating high quality web tools, websites um, that don't exclude, again, these people who may have specific um, learning language and, and everything else abilities. Yes. What is one of the um, least used in your experience or, or overlooked feature to help our websites um, become more user-friendly for a vast majority of people? So one thing I do think is least used is um, having audio extensions on websites so that people are able to hear the verbiage that's on the website. Um, those with dyslexia a lot of times struggle with phonological processing and comprehension. And so with that in mind, they are spending a lot more energy and effort reading than an average person who, you know, would be typically developing or a typical reader. So with that being said, I think having extensions that can read the words on a website has been least used in my opinion, but we do have, um, we do have the capacity for that within a lot of our computers. They'll have those extensions or apps that are already built in. But um, I think the International Dyslexia Association is a good example if people wanna see exactly what that's like and what that looks like. They use a, um, they use a company called, uh, I wanna say it's called Browse, Browse Aloud, I'll have to double back, but that company basically transcribes everything on the website. So you can listen to the words on the website. I think that's least used and very effective.
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anything you notice that's overly used or abused? Hmm. Overly used and abused. Honestly, I don't, I can't think of anything at the top of my head, but we can come back Good. if I, um, if I think of it, I'll make sure I address it. <laughs> so we, talked about, we talked about leash use. What is something else that we could um, integrate into both our websites and our social promo um, to be more inclusive, more considerate? I will say first things first, um, as I mentioned, you want to use those closed captions. Um, next thing is to go to websites like Accessible, um, A-C-C-E-S-S-I-B-E, to get a um, free audit on your tools that you're using. And they will provide the web, um, the ADA and WCAG compliance. And those are simply um, accessibility compliance um, legislation that they will provide and tell you, hey, your website should have this or your tool could have this. And for those who aren't 100% aware of um, ADA, that is the Disability Acts. So um, that's certainly something that I would say it's the American Disability Act. And um, there is another website called Equal Web and they can do an audit on your website and let you know whether it is in compliance with the American Disability Act as well. So um, I would say that would be a good starting place. Um, you also want to look into the web content accessibility guidelines. And a lot of these audits, again, will have both the web content accessibility guidelines as well as the American Disabilities Act, like, you know, basically encumbered in them. So that will be a great way to see whether you have some really big issues that you can focus on. Um, I think that having gotten an audit that will make you more aware and you can start tackling different issues just one by one. Wonderful. These are great, great resources. So you obviously read a lot of the legislation, the rules, whatever it takes to um, make sure that you're tech savvy and serving and supporting and advocating. What are you reading or what have you read recently that just really brought you joy, ignited something in you? That's a good question. So I'm seeing a ton of um, trends around different countries where they're adopting new uh, protocol so that more people can be seen and heard. I will say what has been an eye-opener for me is a lot of um, big name companies that have been targeted for lawsuits because their websites did not meet the compliance of ADA and WCAG. So that's something that has certainly kept my eyes 
glued to the trends, but I think just hearing more, seeing more about um, how companies are making it their business to adopt these different compliance um, guidelines and things of that nature have certainly been um, really joyful for me. Very good. And in terms of uh, you and your son, when mm -hmm. you approach, I'm not sure, but it's okay moments, mm -hmm. how do you do, how do you navigate or prepare him to push past those moments? So my son is um, an interesting young man. He has had a lot of experiences with um, just traveling and with learning about different cultures. And so he is inquisitive, he is curious, which is very developmentally appropriate. And so when he asks questions, I try to answer them to the best of my knowledge. Um, we have a relationship where nothing is inappropriate to discuss because I always feel like I would rather him learn about these different things from, from me telling him explicitly than for him to go to school or go anywhere else. And he is learning of these things through falsehoods and um, through inexperienced individuals that are his age. So we are um, at an interesting time in our lives because he is heading towards middle school. And um, that's, you know, it's tons of questions happening, but I wanna keep that open door policy between him and I so that he never feels um, scared or slighted to tell me about what's going on. I think that that's not what I had as a child. And, and when I say, I think, I know. Um, and I just want to be different in regard to how I am providing him with a safe space to ask questions and um, provide him with insight. Absolutely beautiful. I love middle school. I was middle school principal and teacher. Were you? Oh, wait. Yes. Middle yes. school. Middle yes. school. At that stage of human growth and development, they're right in mm -hmm. between. There's a lot of struggle, but there's mm -hmm. also a lot of opportunity. Just, it is. Oh, mm -hmm. my goodness. So much opportunity at every stage, but that stage right there, I remember middle school better than I remember anything else. That was my hugest um, stage of development, K-12 spectrum, like, whoa, <laughs> still have some of those friends. You know? Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. that's, that's a different, that's a different ball game right there, boy. I tell you, yes, <laughs> but then, but you know, when I think back on my middle school days, mm -hmm. I mean, I wasn't no better. I wasn't no better than the kids that are, you know, embracing or um, experiencing it now. Like it was an awkward stage. You were, you're growing and, and you are just, all of these things are happening for you and you don't really know how to articulate them. And um, it's just a school full of that. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. Blessings and lessons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well said. Blessings and lessons. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, your time, and giving us some great resources and considerations um, for both our websites, but also just existing in being um, good human beings <laughs> with us. Mm-hmm. it's important that we that's the very least we can do of all the things can we just be good human beings yeah. i'll tell you <laughs> well i would like to end with your final word words what is something that maybe we haven't discussed or that you would like to share or have others to consider um in moving forward along there i'm not sure but it's okay journeys would say in closing not only am I grateful for you and this space that you've cultivated but um, I am hopeful that those listening will find value in what I've discussed with you and that they'll be able to pick a little knowledge nugget and take it along with them and maybe do some further research or even reach out reach out. So that is in closing what I would like to say. I would close with a nice quote, but I can't think of any at the top of my head. So (laughs) do you have a mantra or anything that you're leaning into right now? A mantra, a quote, well, you said no quote. (laughs) No, I usually, what about a song? What about a song? A song. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so I'm listening now to a lot of Afro beats and um, or Afro pop. And that's music that is um, created in um, different parts of Africa, mainly West Africa, though. So um, love listening to that music because uh, I just feel like the music in America isn't really just a vibe for me anymore. But um, I will say if you want to want to to feel inspired definitely i'm gonna um send you my my spotify playlist and um we'll we'll link it in the conversation and and this music will certainly make you feel um empowered to just you know be your authentic self 